we've all heard about the trend of catalytic converter thefts across America. Our guest is a police sergeant in Texas. They had that problem. He's here to talk about it, some startling things you may not understand, and more. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com, and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's j-a-y at letradio.com. Connecting with us from Texas, we have Eric Levine on the phone. Eric is a police sergeant in Texas. We're not going to say which agency because he's active duty. He's also the host of the podcast, Two Cops, One Donut. And their website is twocopsonedonut.com. That's spelled D-O-N-U-T.com. Now, there is the old stigma that police love donuts. And... I unfortunately am one of those guys, but uh, we'll, we'll go with the reason why there's the whole correlation with police and donuts. Eric, thanks for your service, number one, and thanks for being guests on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Very much appreciated. Hey, not a problem, buddy. Thanks for having me. And Finally got it together. Congratulations on, you were recently promoted to sergeant as well. Yeah, and it's been trial by fire since day one. Yeah. Uh, how long <laughs> has it been before. since you were promoted to sergeant? Uh, I am going on my third week, third week, third whole week, man, big adjustments. I go back and remember when I was a police officer, detective doing all that stuff. I got promoted to sergeant and I was, I was going to change the world as a police officer. (laughs) And then I was a change the world as a sergeant. And then guess what? I just got beat up, just beat up. Yeah, I'm on the worst side of town, um, crime-wise. It is my favorite side of town, though. So uh, in the very first night, my training sergeant that was supposed to teach me the ropes called off sick. So I was alone, and we had a uh, shooting-slash-turned-homicide shootout uh, thing happen. Not cops involved. It was all gang-related and whatnot, but I was definitely... uh, thrown in the fire so to speak and <laughs> making a lot of phone calls all right what do i gotta do what do i yeah. do here what do I do? <laughs> and here's the thing is we know what to do as police officers now as a supervisor it's a little bit different now i've got different responsibilities i gotta ask you this as a police officer it's easy for me to judge and say well you know that's sergeant he's just laser or he or she or don't know what they're doing blah 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 until it got thrust, thrust in that role, and it was a totally different ball of wax. Uh, has that been the case for you? It, it, yeah. It, well, it, it's funny because, you know, I've been a uh, sergeant in the military. Been, it, it's, it's got correlations. It's definitely not the same. Um, but, it, you know, you're taking responsibility now for a team that everything that they are allowed to do and want to do and inspire to do and all of that stuff, they kind of look at you and you know here i am i i don't think i have their trust necessarily yet 
but I'm already getting those questions. Hey, I kind of always wanted to go toward to, to get in the SWAT. What do I do? I mean, we're talking about this is my third week and they're already asking me like career advice and how to get into stuff and whatnot. So you're, <laughs> you're balancing that at the same time, you've got people calling off and you're looking at your team and you're like, Hey guys, I know we're supposed to have 13 here tonight, but um, we only got nine. So we're going to have to be going call to call to call and we're just going to have to suck it up. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it's, it, it's different. Cause as a patrol officer, you just walk in and you're like, all right, uh, let's get roll call over so I can get my car and go start calls. And that's really the end of the responsibility. <laughs> right, right. It, it, you only see as far as the next call. That's it. And, and maybe if you have a problem in your posts, you're trying to address that problem, which we'll get into in a moment because as a police officer, you became aware of a catalytic converter theft problem in your area. And I, I don't want to give away a lot of secrets about this, but I was shocked shocked yeah. when I found out how much these thieves made per catalytic converter. So I don't want to give that away. Uh, before we get into that, Eric, how long were you a police officer before you got promoted? Um, uh, 17 years. 17 years. So you're certainly not a rookie at this. No, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed my time as a patrol officer and, uh, you know, I did the the bare minimum time as a detective and then promoted to sergeant. <laughs> Did you get the people saying to you, uh, congratulations on your promotion. What were you thinking? Why did you even go for this? Uh, okay. So full disclosure, you're going to, you're going to think, uh, I'm crazy as it is, but, um, wait a minute, you're police. I, You've been doing this 17 years. I didn't know the answer to that, Eric. <laughs> I I have no intentions of stopping at sergeant. I want to go as high as I can get. Well, look, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, that's what I want to do. Uh, my career was cut short uh, at the rank of sergeant. I was hurt and retired at the age of 33. I wanted to go up as high as I could because I was a belief that if you really wanted to make a difference in your community, not just for the cops you work for or that work for you, but for the community members as well, you got to achieve rank. You had to. Yes. Yes, and 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 the way it's going nowadays, your your retirement depends on it at a lot of departments. Yeah, because they 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 just keep you know picking away at retirement, and uh, now you you can't just be a patrol officer and and get a nice retirement when you when you get done. You you have to promote in order to to have you know something decent. They're not counting your overtime or anything like that towards your your high five or your high three or whatever your department. Right. Is. Right, and so you've been this a long time, and you're in Texas, but you don't have a Texas accent, so that's not where you're from originally. No, originally from Flint, Michigan. And how did you wind up in Texas policing from Flint? <laughs> so, uh, quick background on me. Uh, my mom and dad uh, never got married. They they were together. They they broke up, and about two months later, my mom figured out she was pregnant. And uh, so they tried to make it work for about a year. They're just not compatible people. Um, great parents independently, but, uh, together, not so much. And my dad moved down to Texas and he became an officer down here and he ended up retiring from the department that I ended up joining. Get out. Yeah. So that was kind of, I didn't, so my dad, he was involved in a shooting, uh, his rookie year, uh, stolen vehicle. Um, craziness uh, i've got the the audio tape um from from that day uh 
I have yet to put it on my own podcast, but one day I will. Um, but yeah, he had this crazy call, ends up getting an awesome shooting and, um, Long story short, he becomes, you know, a hero, gets the Medal of Valor for police here uh, at the department and all that stuff. So for me, as a, you know, kind of an ego-driven kid wanting to be a cop, I wanted to be a cop on my own. I didn't want to go live under my dad's shadow at the same department. And uh, so I kind of ventured out. I went into the military first. Um, I'm, I'm an Air Force cop. And then uh, I got out of active duty. I did 06, 2010. And I became a civilian cop um, after that. So uh, I I tried to do it in Michigan, and the pay was terrible. Police support was terrible. So I applied all over the nation trying to find some civil service places that I, I thought would be good, including where I work now in my the city that I work for just happened to be the first one to take me. There you go. We're going to talk or turn our conversation with Eric Levine. Eric is a police sergeant in a major police department in Texas. He's also a podcaster. He's host of Two Cops, One Donut podcast. The website is twocopsonedonut.com. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This is a law enforcement talk radio show. When we return, we're talking about the catalytic converter theft problem they experienced and what they did about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I have some exciting news to share with you. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. Go over to harnwithfood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab, and get started today. My wife, the boss, and I have teamed up for a brand new podcast. It's called Haunting or Not. We combine traditional ghost stories with a little bit of comedy and a true crime aspect to talking about these. Are they real or are they bogus? That's the Haunting or Not podcast featuring... Myself and my wife, the boss. Be sure to look for it wherever podcasts are served. It's called Haunting or Not. Let's start a conversation with Eric Levine. Eric is a newly promoted police sergeant from Major police department in texas he is also host of a podcast called two cops one donut their website is two cops one donut.com we'll talk about the podcast in just a few moments now when you're policing eric and by the way it's a fascinating story you did not want to be in the same police department as your dad and where did you wind up working the same police department as my dad. <laughs> I'm not saying there's any irony there. I'm just saying, is it funny how karma winds up, sneaks up on you and just gets you? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is funny. <laughs> and hey, I'm happy it happened. <laughs> you were you're policing in Michigan, and you said, you know, the pay was not good. I, I the lack of support for police was not good, in, in your opinion. But I got to ask, did, did the weather play a part in it at all? The winter time. Oh yeah, I absolutely hate being a cop in the winter time. Oh, so, it's, oh it's yeah. brutal. The the yeah. the cold weather, and it never failed in Baltimore. If there was you were working nights or midnight shift, if there was going to be a house fire. Where there's all kinds of firefighters and hoses and mist everywhere that's freezing on you, it's going to be the winter time. You're going to freeze. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you got yeah. direct traffic for these fire scenes, and you encounter the dumbest people on the planet. It's I always tell people the worst job ever for me in policing was directing traffic. Yeah, I have. I uh, I don't like doing anything that has to do with traffic accidents. Yeah, I, I I'm that way too. And the funny thing is, I thought you're going to say I don't like had to do anything that deals with people because you haven't earned that earned that right yet. You've got to be retired before you hit that place. I was going to say, I really actually enjoy that part. I learned very young in my career that this is, this job is my entertainment. So yes, I have a job to do. I'm a professional, but at the same time, like I have, you know, the greatest show on earth. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just going, I'm going to, keep that fresh in my mind every time I deal with people. So the, the, the crazier the person, the dumber the comments they make, the more I just, other officers hate me for it because I will keep a person going. Oh, okay. Well, tell me yeah, about that. You know, you're the instigator. I'm the instigator. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yep. I got to ask a question. So during your policing career, you went up having, you know, a catalytic converter theft problem, which is not a big, it's not unheard of anywhere in the United States. Uh, but you wound up encountering that in the area where you worked, didn't you? Yes. So I was um, I was a new detective, and I'm you know I'm uh, actually was put into what they would call property crimes. So focusing on you know car burglaries, house burglaries, things like that. And I started noticing a pattern. I'm like, geez, we keep getting like two or four catalytic converter thefts, you know, a night. And, you know, my, my city's population's around a million, 1.2, somewhere in there. And uh, I'm just my side of town alone that I'm working as a detective, I'm like, man, it seems like a lot. Why do we keep getting them? So I'm like, who steals catalytic converters? And I'm, so I start doing research. I'm like, what, what, there's obviously an appeal for these, so what is it? So I end up getting a hold of a, a state-recognized um, recycling place that you would take catalytic converters to get them recycled, I guess. So it's just kind of where the Google search led me. So I'm talking to somebody on the phone, and they were obviously busy giving me the, the runaround, so I talked to them. So I go up there, and this guy sets me down and gives me the whole spiel. He knows kind of the ins and outs of what why people are taking these. And he starts to tell me that one catalytic converter off of a F-250, for instance, this is one of the more popular ones to be stolen, uh, was going from anywhere between $800 to uh, $2,500, just depending on the year. Yeah, the year and model. And I said, holy cow. And I, I had witnessed some videos through, through this of people, you know, their ring cameras or whatever, catching it. And the best one that I seen, the best guy that I seen, he got a catalytic converter off of an F-250 in under 30 seconds. 
I had so no I idea they were worth that kind of money. I, I, when I think right. of catalytic converter thefts, Eric, to be totally honest with you, I think of the people stealing copper from AC units or whatever to recycle them. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking yes, they're going to so get like I'll 30 cents a pound, something ridiculous. Right. So I'll tell you the trouble that I ran into. So I start charging. Like, I got a couple suspects that I ended up following through on, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to charge them with this. Well, the the charge that most officers I think today wouldn't know about is recyclable metals. Like that is a charge. It's a felony. Well, it doesn't count with a catalytic converter because when you're talking about recyclable materials, you're talking about copper and, and steel and things of that nature. Well, for the catalytic converters, the courts are saying that it has got um, like precious metals in it, rhodium, meridium, and uh, platinum. So it, that, that that's a different charge. So now I had to look through and find what charge I could get on these guys. And the best thing I was finding was like a class A or class B misdemeanor. So I'm not even able to, to nail these guys the way that I needed to. So these, um, these guys could make in theory three, four, five thousand dollars a night stealing cattle converters and the most they could be charged with at the time was a misdemeanor. Yeah, so so the way that I like to, to frame it for people is most of these catalytic converters are taken on average we'll say is about eight, worth about eight hundred bucks a piece. So let's go conservative and just say five hundred dollars. The ones that they take are worth five hundred bucks. If they just steal I think it was two a weekend for the for the whole year, that's fifty two grand. And and that is less than an hour's worth of work because it takes them under a minute to take. And so are these grand. being sold to like uh, scrap yards or they're not being sold for the metal. They're being sold as replacement parts. Am I correct? No, they're being sold. So this is where the rabbit hole got real deep real quick. Um, traditionally, when this first started, they were just selling them to recycling plants like uh that are for catalytic converters. Like we have those in the state of Texas. Um, they're, they're state controlled and all that. And they're, they're regulated. So they're using these regulated metal recycling places. Um, not like a scrapyard. Now what they will do, some of the, some of the more like drug seeking people that aren't organized, um, they will just sell theirs to a scrapyard. And then the scrapyard will collect a bunch of them, and then they'll take it to the, the recycling plant and sell them. So there's twofold on that. So um, let me flash forward now. It, it it's become a a, a a crisis in our city. Let's just say because um, we had some city council members getting theirs taken. Um, that we found out that the is the most um, has the most expensive catalytic converters on there because I believe they have two or four on the car and if you just one car if you take the the, the cast off of a you're getting paid out about four grand you're kidding me but, yeah. you know here's so, the thing eric my, my mind never thinks <laughs> like a criminal i don't think of things like that uh it, it just doesn't enter in my mind and eventually with police work i had to, to learn to think not like a criminal for motivation reasons but Look, if I was a murderer, where would I go? What would I do? That way, we tried to apprehend him. When we return to our conversation with Eric Levine 
on Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We're going to talk more about the catalytic converter theft investigation. And then one of the incidents from his career that will shed light on what policing is really about. This is a Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at jefepods.com. Returning our conversation on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show with Eric Levine. Eric is a police sergeant, recently promoted police sergeant, in a major department in Texas, 17 years in law enforcement. He's also the host of the Two Cops, One Donut podcast. The website for their podcast is twocopsonedonut.com. I got to tell you, Eric, I, I'm fascinated in a weird sort of way by this whole conversation about a catalytic converter thefts. I, I never, ever thought they'd be worth the kind of money they are. And now it explains why so many people are stealing them. That That's pretty obvious. How they get rid of them, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy, I'm telling you, because it... It, you would think that these people are stealing them. They're just random thieves, people that are, you know, dopers. They're out there looking to, to get a quick score so they can sell some stuff, recycle it, just kind of like a lot of the copper thieves are. Um, but it's not. It's, it's highly organized, um, at least what I found, um, to the point where some of this money is going overseas, funding terrorism, funding cartels. So, um that's how deep this investigation got. And I will just tell you that the, the investigation I did led to a task force that was only a month long. And we found out all this information in four weeks. So, um, but back to the point, your local catalytic converter thieves were funneling money yes. to, to outside United States to fund terror operations. That is like that's, that's like if that was a a movie script, I wouldn't believe it. I'm like, this is what is this B movie right. or C movie? That's incredible. Yes, yes. So, um, and and here I am, no training on this. It's just me figuring it out as I go. Um, so I start seeing the writing on the wall. So I pull all the statistics from our city, and I see that like it's not just a me problem; it's a whole city problem, and. Uh, I start telling some of my my uh, higher ups what's going on, and I tell them the writing on the wall. I'm like, listen, this is this is a big deal, and we need to do something about it. Well, I have some very good leadership that led me down the right path, and they got me connected to our auto theft task force, which um, is a combination of uh, units from all across the county. So, kind of give them the the heads up, and we. We get together, have a meeting, and we're going to start a task force, a catalytic converter task force, just to test and see how bad it really was. So through this investigation, we first started doing a bunch of intel, trying to figure out, like, 
some of the people we've dealt with who they're connected to. So, um, you know how it is. It's just like the, the, the TV show, you got the yarn and you're putting pictures with, with the string and doing that. Well, instead of having the yarn, we were doing that on a whiteboard and kind of getting some little cells that we saw. And that's when we started making connections that at least in our area, it was definitely like a, a white supremacist type thing. Uh, we have people called here, um, kind of an Aryan type, uh, uh, brotherhood gang thing. And for whatever reason, they were the main culprits in, in our area. So we start putting the names together, following up on people. And we realized that we, we call them cutters. The ones that are out stealing the catalytic converters, they're, they're very smart and they all work together. So just because, you know, you know, Tom, Hank and Harry are uh, a little crew that likes to work. Well, Tom also works with another crew, but all of these little crews, they were selling to just a few people. And this is where the black market sales were pushing the, the theft for the catalytic converters. So we ended up finding people were going on social media saying that, hey, we'll buy your catalytic converters. Sell them to us. We'll meet you. So that's how we that's how we initially started the operation. We started calling these people in. So they're not and, they're and, not criminal geniuses. They go on social media and go, by the way, I buy stolen catalytic converters, they're letting everybody know, including the popo. Well in in a way, in a way, they but that's not what they were saying. Basically what they were doing is they're saying, Hey, we'll buy them, but we're not gonna ask any questions of where you got them from, type thing. So they were kind of getting around. Uh, keep getting around it legally that way. And we had to really dig and get with the prosecutors and stuff to see what type of charges we could get on these people for buying these regulated metals. And and that was where we finally had a breakthrough where we found a, it was just a class A misdemeanor, but it was enough to get us in the door. And all my street cops out there know that's all we need. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, so, that's, all, that's all you need. Um, Here's the thing that, yeah. that fascinates me is here's what typically happens, at least in the agency I worked in. You'd have a, a crime problem in a, in a certain area, and then they'd address it. They'd flood it with a bunch of police. They'd flood it with, I worked operations, we called flex units, some agencies call them crime suppression units, you name it, and we tried to, to locate the bad guy, especially when it came to crimes against property, which you're talking about. Thefts from vehicles, stolen cars, burglaries. They were not the easiest to catch for a street cop. You kind of had to catch them in the act. I imagine there was right. some frustration level for you besides finding the appropriate charges of saying, hey, we got to take this seriously. Did you get any blowback from the higher-ups? Um, no, um, I, I'm, I'm very methodical when I do things. So, uh, and I had the benefit of a dad that was made it all the way up to Lieutenant. So, uh, I asked him, he'd already retired when I was doing this, but I said, Hey, if I come to you as a, a detective, what are you going to say to me as a Lieutenant? Like how, what, what can I expect? And so he gave me, you know, kind of the insight of the questions they're going to want answered. Um, and more importantly, for the very high ups, like, how's it going to make them look good? So I told them. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not know. laughing at you, Eric. I know how yeah. the police admin are. Hey, uh, how do I get in camera on this one? How do I look like the good guy? Right. right. So um, 
essentially what we did was uh, they pulled me in front of city council and I had to explain to them the problem and the measures that we were going to take to try to fix it. And, you know, the city council, they need whatever they can get a hold of to make themselves look good to their voters. So they they were all on board. So it, the, the buy-in really wasn't that hard because just like you, they were just totally unaware of the what they cost or, or, you know, what the money that they were getting for these and how quickly it could happen. And that the fact that us catching them in the act is going to be impossible. Right. It's very, very difficult. I, and I'm sitting there thinking back to when I was a patrolman, and I, I think I'll remember this to my dying day. I get a call for a suspicious person, Eric, in the back of a house, around a house, and it's a residential neighborhood. So I drive up to it. I don't see anything. I walk around back, and there's a guy breaking into the door. He's using flathead screwdrivers and a hammer to go through this wooden door. But his big mistake was he was wearing over-the-ear headphones listening to music he had no idea i was standing behind him none whatsoever as a matter of fact when i finally tapped him on his shoulder i think i scared him half to death and he was like oh thank goodness it's the police and not the homeowner (laughs) yeah yeah situations like that are not that common it's it's uh very rare and to this day i i gotta say this I, i tell people all the time in public, you will never, ever, ever see me wearing headphones. You'll never see me with earbuds listening to music. Maybe I'm paranoid. Maybe I was a police too long. Maybe whatever it is, I want to listen. I want to hear people walking up on me. I want to be aware of my surroundings. And no, I'm not paranoid, but I do keep my head on a swivel. We're talking with Eric Levine. He is a police sergeant at a major police department in Texas. He's also one of the hosts of Two Cops, One Donut podcast. Their website, twocopsonedonut.com. When we return, we're going to talk about something that American public just does not understand about policing from his experience. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. Return conversation on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. We are joined by Eric Levine. Eric is a police sergeant at a major police department, newly promoted police sergeant in Texas. 17 years law enforcement experience. He's also one of the hosts of the Two Cops, One Donut podcast. Their website is twocopsonedonut.com. And I promise you, we will talk about their podcast in a few moments. In your career, one of the things I've, I've noticed, maybe it's the same with you, uh, my wife, the, I call her the boss, and I, we don't watch a whole <laughs> lot of American-made police dramas anymore because they just get it so wrong. From from everybody racking the guns around in the chamber, one of the things there's some sort of action happening, I'm, like, I'm starting yelling at TV, what are you doing with an unloaded gun? It, 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 it's, yeah. But the main thing is, my main piece of content with American-made police dramas is the lack of character development. And they, when you have something bad happen, for example, 
let's just say Clint Eastwood, the Dirty Harry franchise movies. He shoots like three people, and he's got a funny quip to say. And he, he's knocking down a couple whiskeys, and he's fine. That's not the reality of what it's like. <laughs> no. From your experience in policing, what's the number one thing that your experience you think people just don't get about American police? Um, I would, and I, I don't know if this has been brought up on your show before, but the one thing I never hear is, and, and it's the biggest complaint from citizens, is y'all just look out for each other, you cover up for each other, da 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 Well, I can tell you. Yes, we do that hear that on the show quite a bit. We do talk about it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I hear this, or I, I, I've seen this every year that I've been a cop, either in my own department or another department that's close to me of an officer that has either been arrested, um, fired, or, you know, gets put under some sort of administrative uh, punishment every year that I'm there. And I think that people believe that cops are never, we, we don't police our own. And I can promise you that all the good cops out there, there's nothing they hate more than a bad cop. Yep. That's true. Because, one cop screws up in, you know, Maine, the the, the cop in Southern California feels it. Yeah. The, it, you're you're spot on correct that. with that. And, yeah, I, I tell people in my career, I ha- there's a new kid out of the academy. He did something stupid. I wound up getting him fired. Uh, another one, I had to arrest a cop for a, a crazy, stupid thing. And it was not something I wanted to do. There are other ones that I had to take action as a sergeant, which I'm sure you're going to encounter, that led to disciplinary action. The one thing is that people don't seem to get, Eric, and i got to ask you this in the form of a question, is my thinking is I'm not going to endanger my pension, my pay, my health insurance, everything else for myself, my family, my kids, to cover for someone who did something stupid. Or, even worse yet, something vile and corrupt. Correct, yeah. As far as, and this is how I kind of break it down to people. I'm like, all right, you're at work, you're a employee, and you notice that your your buddy's on the phone, talking on the phone, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time on shift, uh, twice a day, three times a day. And you, are you going to report them for that? Is that? Is that, are they breaking the law? No, but are they violating the policies and stuff at your sure? So I tell people, I'm like, so it's the same for cops. If I see my buddy sitting over there texting on his phone all night, am I going to report him to my sergeant? No. And just, he's just waiting for the next call to come out. Could he go out and do some proactive policing? Maybe. So we're, we're walking. There's this fine line that you have to choose. The one line that I will never choose is if I see you do something criminal. Right. If you do something criminal, I'm sorry. I just like you. I am not risking my pension. Um, and and two, it like I signed up to stop criminals, not <laughs> not help them, not 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 report you. So if you if you've got the badge and you're committing a crime, I'm sorry. You just get no sympathy from me. Um, but that is, I think that's the the line that we need to talk with the public about. Is you know. How, how much accountability are you asking for your police to give? Because if you start going overboard and start, you know, majoring in the minors, such as I like using the cell phone because that is the thing that I think everybody is so guilty of, you know, is, is that stealing time? 
like what, what's your judgment call on that? I, I tell cops, I'm like, enjoy the downtime while you have it. Cause you're only one, one dispatch call away from the, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we say this, you're, you're one call away from the absolute worst scenario happening. And the one thing I I've got to take exception with, and I'm not picking out you in particular, but we have been conditioned to say, you know, good cops don't like bad cops. And I always say, police don't like bad cops. Because the vast majority, I mean, 99.9% of police I know that I worked with were the best of the best. And they never, even on when they messed up, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, we're all human. We're yeah. not We're not robots. So we've been conditioned to almost have this thing of, well, like I'm some sort of good cop and this person's not. Well, they they were never they were never accepted as part of our family to begin with right um yeah i agree with you to an extent um i have been finding it it's becoming more and more common for people to get in this career field as a uh stepping stone of their career i guess of their actual career they're just doing it as a job to pass time until they find the job they're looking for which i find so strange and never yeah i, I couldn't do it that. i would not recommend police work for someone who decided oh, i'm looking i'm gonna do this till the next best thing comes along yeah 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 and it, i like i said i never saw that early in my career but I've been a academy instructor, and now I'm out in the field again. And I j- I have heard people say this, and it just I, it blows my mind. Well, the but, funny I thing mean, is, and I I gotta ask this before we talk about your podcast. Uh, th- was this a calling for you? Obviously, you came from a police family. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I I've always known I was going to be a cop, and even though I didn't really care for cops as a kid growing up in Flint, um, it just in the back of my head I always knew. Um, and even guided my high school career, I guess you could say, when all the classes, that's when you finally start to get picked classes and whatnot. I was taking extra, like, you know, advanced English classes for writing and stuff like that because I, I knew I'd be in law enforcement. Now we're going to talk about your podcast, Two Cops, One Donut. By the way, the website's twocopsonedonut.com. Are there two cops involved in this anymore, or is it just you? It, it, it's just me. It's... um. I, I was I had another cop with me uh, at the beginning just because he knew social media stuff and I didn't. And uh, he was just kind of helping me learn the ropes. But the, the concept behind two cops is I am still in the Air Force. Um, I'm in the reserves now, but I'm a cop in the Air Force. Okay. And I'm a civilian cop. So I am the two cops. I just wear two different hats. Okay. <laughs> so you're a little, you have multiple personalities. I'm, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah. <laughs> like most podcasts and, and radio shows, we, we go through transitions, we go through pivots, we got to adjust as we go along. Uh, and I've done that too, so I understand it. Uh, what got you into podcasting? Why did you decide to do this? Okay, so um, there was a, a catalyst to the whole thing. Um, at one point, me and uh, an NPO that I worked with, a neighborhood patrol officer, they are kind of the liaison for um civilians in, in a beat and the the patrol officers in that same beat um they take the concerns of both sides and and share information and all that stuff and that that's their job in our city and uh npos are a great tool well i got with my npo for my beat and i said hey dude i was like uh maybe we should be using social media specifically facebook 
um, to try to help like fight crime. Like, I feel like we're not using it. And he's like, yeah, I had that same thought. Like, how are we going to do it? And this is when Facebook groups first came out. Mm -hmm. So what we did essentially was we created a sign up for everybody that lived in our beat and created a group. And uh, it was kind of a closed group, as closed as it could be. And we just shared information. Hey, this is, this guy just got released from jail. You know, he's been known to be a burglar in the area. Keep a lookout. Or, you know, hey, my car got broken into. The citizens would post their stuff on there. And this was before the Neighbors app and all that stuff. So it was, it was working. It was kind of a neat idea. We are almost out of time. How can people find you? You got a website. What's the easiest way to find Two Cops, One Donut podcast? Uh, easiest way is just go to our website, twocopsonedonut.com, and, and you can find all of our platforms. We're on everything. We're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, um, Buzzsprout, all of those things. And Eric, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And most importantly, thanks for being guests on the show. Yes, sir. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk radio show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.